10 minutes to go. <laughs> Greetings and welcome to Inside Baseball with Old Chestnut. I'm Liam Allen with my friend Morris Sachs. How you doing, pal? I'm doing great, buddy. What a week, huh? What, uh, a week. what an exciting week. I had a, there was a lot of joy. Brought, it was just a happy week, just a fun huh? week. It's been two weeks since I've talked to you, and there's just been so many wonderful things that have gone on. Um but you first, um, you first, well, I, and how about the okay. website first, okay? Because <laughs> uh, you have some explaining to do. <laughs> well, um, I suppose I might. Um, I, You know, I would bring it up, but I'm afraid to touch the keyboard. So um, but before we get started, if I sure. just could distract you a little yeah, bit, yes. uh, our good friend uh, over uh, – in England, Anthony Peters wanted me to be sure to thank all of his American cousins for donating so generously to his uh, local charity. And um, I have done zero background check on that. Uh, but uh, if Anthony tells me it's going to a good cause, uh, that's good enough for me. Yep. Uh, I, I gave him a thousand bucks. So I love uh, this. I love the story. The sto- if you read the story, which I, uh, I'm sure half of the people read the whole thing but the whole thing he wrote he gave money to a big big box charity a big you know the prostate cancer of england charity and they didn't even have the courtesy to thank him so he told them to fuck off and he went right downtown and he said what do you need at the local rec center whatever you want to call it and they said whatever you can do and sure enough he started out with i think it was a five thousand euro goal by whatever Monday morning, he had blown past that, and it was over ten thousand dollars the last time I looked. Um, and he specifically thanked the American audience for coming through, and I would like to thank you and him for putting it, first of all him for putting it together and giving it to the local shop, and for you driving the the donations because I saw your thousand dollar donation, and I was going to give a thousand one under the name of DJ David Solomon, but, no, no. <laughs> but my wife overruled that, okay? <laughs> Listen, each according to his needs, right. each Thank according you. to yes. his abilities. And it was awesome, yes. And um, uh, I could give you a whole spiel about philanthropy, uh, and we'll save that for another time. Maybe later in this episode, uh, if it comes up, because but we've got a lot to talk about. Yes. And uh, yep. first, I, I would say in the last two weeks, the single biggest event was Fish knocked it out of the park at oh, the yeah. garden. Um, 
everyone I know was there except for me and you. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, I was in Scottsdale and you were home Yep, in uh, Stanford. Um, but to take a little bit of the sting out, Uncle Mark came to visit and uh, and then we had the couch tour. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Which, uh, oddly enough, um, Cheryl sat in next to me. And, Stop, uh, please. No, she gave, did. Gave I, you dirty looks. <laughs> no, no, no. She read a book. but Yeah, uh, I was going to say, I, put her headphones in. <laughs> pretty much. But, uh, you know, I'll tell you what. What are they, like 56, 57 years old, those guys, you think? Yeah, easily. Yeah. I, I can only I, hope when I get to be their age. I have as much energy. Bouncing around Madden Square Garden. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. I, uh, mm-hmm. They killed me. I know. Me. I know. Anyway, uh, so there's a lot going on in the in the marketplace. And uh, um, it's, it's a little hard to pick a particular point to start. But um, I sent you a number of things uh, that uh, I thought might be worth talking about. Um, just to, um, oh, did you want to talk about the website? No, first, go ahead. Or? We'll get, we'll get back to that. Let's, well, while, we'll, while the listeners are listening to us talk, they can go look at the website and when they pick okay. their jaw off the floor, you can explain it later. Okay. Okay. The, you know, there's a lot going on there that I might have some explaining to because I've asked for a few more posts to be put up and I don't know if they've gone up, but in, in any event, um, Let's start out with what I think is the most relevant thing, and that is uh, the Federal Reserve. Okay. Um, I checked with legal earlier, and they told me the words uh, retard and (laughs) C-U-N-T are not allowed. They're not allowed. (laughs) um, Anyway, our favorite, favorite, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Clown, uh, Kathy Wood, has uh, now delved into the area of monetary policy. Um, And in her view, uh, thinks there's too much Fed tightening into the marketplace. So um, so, uh, uh, I'm glad she gave us her opinion Mm -hmm. because it gives me a little bit of a launching point because – um, when I uh, started full time, not even part time, but full time in 1983 at Continental Bank, mm-hmm. the focus in the government bond market is the Fed. So, what was the interest rate then? Why? Well, I mean, the long bonds were like 13, 14%. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, they had bonds, and I, I was uh, talking or emailing with Jim Grant of Grant's Interested Observer. They used to have these things called flower bonds. Okay. So they, it went. This is true. I didn't. I'm making this up. Uh, they issued bonds when rates were low, like three, four, five percent, and then when rates went to like fourteen percent, those bonds dropped to like forty cents on the dollar. Something like that. Yeah. So what the Treasury decided was you could, if you own those bonds, you could redeem them at 100 cents on the dollar for estate taxes. Wow. And hence the name flower bonds, because they paid off when you were pushing up the daisies. Incredible. So I yeah. sent Jim a note, and I said, there's probably only two guys left that know about these things, you and me. And uh, I forgot what he said, but, you know, maybe there's a couple more. But I was going to we'll say Anthony. <laughs> yeah, although being a foreigner, not familiar with our ways. <laughs> right, exactly, the loopholes. Um, so let's go back to the fact that I, I guess, like it or not, uh, I've been a amateur fed watcher for 39 years yeah what's that Am- 1980 amateur. come on yeah 17 22 39 okay i've i've been very careful to uh check my math since not that long ago i almost gave a thousand dollar tip on a 500 hundred uh, dollar dinner bill 
Oh. Did I tell you about that? Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Um, anyway, I've, fortunately, through genetics and <laughs> what's the word I'm looking for? Cognitive behavioral therapy. I've been cured of that malady. Okay. Um, uh, anyway, let's go back to talk about the Fed. One thing that throughout my career, people have failed to understand is how hard the Fed's job is. Okay. You got every talking head in the world with a fucking opinion, right? Mm -hmm. But none of them understand what it's like to sit in a chair. What is their stated mission? Okay. So great, great question. So most people would tell you it's stable employment or maximum employment with modest inflation. And I think there is a third stated mission of keeping long interest rates low, but I'm not 100% sure about this. But, uh, and I'd like to do a nice job explaining this because this is, this is a pretty unique situation. So you get throughout history, whether it was Henry Kaufman, Albert Wojnarowski, then, uh, you know, whoever the latest economist is talking about, uh, the Fed should be doing this, the Fed should be doing that. And what I think they all fail to appreciate is that they serve many masters. Okay. Uh, there's a political aspect to it, which um, I know you've asked me about, and people generally um, people generally ask that question as if it's nefarious, like oh they're they're up mm -hmm. to no good. Well, you know, maybe yes, maybe no. But um, what I read either yesterday or the day before, and I sent you this piece. It's the quarterly research piece by this investment company called Hosington. And I think the trader's name is Van Hosington, and the economist's name is Lacey Hunt. Mm -hmm. So Lacey Hunt uh, is actually, um, uh, I'm going to put a breath mint in so I don't offend stop, you. Stop rattling, whatever you're rattling. Yeah. Driving the audience nuts. Sorry. It's a rattle. It's a, it's a baby rattle <laughs> yeah. to keep me in tension. So um, Lacey Hunt. You love right, Lacey Hunt. I, I, you know, I, I, I think he's terrific. Okay. And so he pointed something out that had never occurred to me, which brings all of these things into focus. So let's take a look at Kathy Wood saying the Fed's making a great mistake. They're tightening. Blah, blah, blah. But we're going to an, into a recession. Mm -hmm. Okay. I, I think we are going to an, into a recession. This is April. And I bet you when I was on one of Kevin Muir's podcasts, I said we had a sugar high with the stimulus. And after the first of the year, when the sugar high wore off, we would end up going into a recession. And I, I think we're going in that direction. Okay. We'll see. I mean, you look at the Philly Fed and some of these other things, um, uh, you, you have the makings of a, a legitimate recession coming. Can I, can I stop and ask you about a legitimate recession? Because I, when you say a recession, I, I, to me, that means a, st a statistical recession. And like, all right, I'm, I'm 40. I wasn't alive for the recession of the 80s where it sounded like there was people out of work, you couldn't find a job, gas was through the roof, you know, inflation, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But when I when I don't see it like a recession where like Main Street is going to come to a grinding halt and there's going to be boarded up stores and, and people are going out of business and the unemployment line. I, that to me, like I, I can't I, I need to separate a statistical recession, which is what lack of growth of GDP. Statistically, yeah. that's the hard. Okay, we're in a recession. Yeah. Okay, yeah, it's sort of like I, I, I couldn't claim to be for okay. sure, but I think it's like two quarters of no growth. Or okay, growth. all right. So I agree with you. Statistically, you're going to get that. Yeah, whether we get 
what we had in the 80s, which was when Cheryl and I came out of graduate school, um, it was fucking bleak. Yeah. It was bleak. It sounds um, like a dark period from like 85 to 89 was like... Earlier. Know, okay, earlier. Okay, oh, yeah. Because yeah. interest rates were jacked through the roof and the prices were going up. And it just... Interesting. Just, you know, that's like... Like, I remember the turning point almost being when we beat the Russians in hockey. I, uh, yeah. I don't know what that day was, but I remember okay, thinking yeah. that, like, that felt pretty good finally. Yeah, 1984 but, or something. Jeez. I want to go back to this Lacey Hunt Please. point because for me it was a tremendous uh, epiphany and uh, is an indication of how to think about monetary policy. Okay. So when we have Kathy Wood – uh, Muhammad El Arian, Ray, uh, Bridgewater, uh, you know, Bill Ackman, you have all these guys, okay? They get the they get to shoot their mouth off and they're not in the chair. Mm -hmm. Okay. So uh what you have is you have a situation where you have a couple of stated responsibilities, okay. Then you have all of the political noise. And here's the part that these geniuses don't get. A classically trained Fed watcher would tell you it's 18 months from a change in monetary policy till it finds its way into the real economy. So you have to make a decision today in terms of how you think it's going to flow through the economy and where it's going to leave you. And keep in mind, every day that goes by, you get new information. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And yet you're following some uh, random process, which is the economy. There's a great essay called I Pencil. Have you ever heard of this thing? This is a must read. If you ever thought, you wanted to be Fed chairman, read this thing. Okay. So keeping in mind, you've got a lot of things you have to balance. And this is what hit me with the Lacey Hunt thing. Okay. Um, I'll see if I can find it. But he basically, um, just just give me a minute. I, I, I don't want to fuck this up. No, um, no it's, so, hitting a moving tar it's hitting a moving target. You know, that's that. I don't know how they want him to do that is hit the moving target. So, so Lacey Hunt's latest letter, which is on the internet, the heading is disaster. Now I've been reading this guy forever. This is not a word this man uses uh, cavalierly. Wow. Okay. So let me distill it down for you. He talks about all of the, monetary and fiscal stimulus that's been put into this system and what's happened we've created 20.4 million jobs okay which is terrific however 116.2 million people six times roughly yeah. that number have seen almost a 4% drop in their disposable income. Now, I'm not going to try and, you know, figure out could those people afford a 4% drop in their, I mean, some people can, some people can't. But now we have a political trade-off here, right? Do you want to say we created 20 million jobs or do you want to tell 50 million senior citizens that even though their social security went up by 5%, the prices went up by 8%. You're taking Where, the jobs. Well, uh, initially, right? Except the problem is the, the older people vote. So, and, and by the way, let's take the politics out of it, but you can't. But, but So what's more important? Taking care of 
the older people on fixed incomes watching their lifestyle erode or finding 20 million people jobs. I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to put that on my back. The economist wants the jobs because he wants the tax and the income and he wants, maybe, you know, maybe I, I, I don't know this fellow directly. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I'm sure he would be delighted to meet me and I'm available if he wishes. But uh, this guy, Charles Gave from GaveCal, mm-hmm. they asked one of those things. He said, what would you do if you were chairman of Federal Reserve? He said, resign, <laughs> which I thought was. Well, so he beat you to your job. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I'm um, sure you had 10 answers to that question. <laughs> oh, my God. And that God. was the best one. Yeah. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, yeah. So um, being in the peanut gallery and able to sit on the sidelines and poke fun of everybody. Um, people are transfixed with this notion of predicting the terminal rate that mm-hmm. the Fed's going to come up with. And by the way, they've been doing it since the Stone Age, mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. which uh, unfortunately I was around I was for. Gonna, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I, I liken back to uh, this situation this might even oh well long before you were born luke um there was a situation in orange orange county california where they had invested a bunch of money in these structured notes through bankers trust uh Mm -hmm. i don't know who bought them but anyway it was one of these double commission notes that all the salesmen love to sell Mm -hmm. and it had all sorts of indemnification but basically, as rates went up, it hurt them. And they had a lot of this on. And the Fed started hiking, whether it was like 93 or 94. And the Fed was on a mission. I forget what the rate structure went from to, you know, I want to say it went from like three to six or something like that. But they busted these euro dollar futures like they had leprosy. And um, I didn't have a position in them. Uh, I had a position in the treasury market, which fortuitously, nothing more than dumb luck seemed to work out okay. Uh, uh, I'll explain that in the master's class uh, for $29.95. Subscribers, Um, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But when people talk about pricing the Fed moves, what happens is, it, it's a little bit of the Monday morning quarterbacking. They'll they'll put a trade on and they'll go, oh, there's no way the funds rate's going to three percent. Mm. You know, I, and uh, mm-hmm. if it does, I'll buy I'll buy everything there. Well, yeah, yeah, sure. Because yeah. what okay. happens is when you get there, you already got your your trading manager breathing down your throat, going, mm-hmm. "What the fuck are you doing now?" Mm-hmm. And you're like, uh, "No, I like him here." Well, you mm-hmm. liked them fifty ago. Um, so in this 93, 94 example, um, my position was the other way where I was sort of short the front end and kind of long the intermediate curve. And one guy after the next was getting stopped out in these euros. And I swear, I kind of went through like the next 12 meetings, figuring they're going to hike at every meeting. And... Not only did they take them there, yeah. like they took them another fifty, just for, for just for good measure, and yeah. then and then even getting out for these guys because I I had guys sitting all around me and here things are working pretty well for old chestnut, and you know Rome is burning it, around you. <laughs> it, well, th- there's a saying somebody invented: it's no fun unless someone's feelings are hurt. This was an exception because <laughs> there was so much misery around me. Yeah. That, uh, but uh, so that's why I giggle when people try and put a, a terminal rate on the funds. Uh, it's going to, they're going to tighten until they've tightened too much. And you won't know till after that they tighten too much. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Grab on, it's going to be a bumpy night. So when they um, come on and say like like they preach like it's a fact, where they say okay, the market has five 
rate hikes baked in, priced in. Is that is that an accurate, fair well, statement? Who's, who's, who says that? Pick a, pick a name on Bloomberg. Um, okay. I, well, all, all they're doing is they're looking at several vehicles. They could be looking at the treasuries. Okay, they could okay. be looking at yep. um, yield down futures. Now there's this new thing, the uh, secured overnight funding rate, SOFR, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which, by the way, I never thought was going to work. Um, <laughs> you know, the, I think I get, get this right. There's apparently an admiral in the Navy who was somewhat connected with the atom bomb. Okay. And he made some quote like, I'm an expert on these things. This bomb will never go off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How'd that work? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's lost the history. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, um, so you can look at these contracts. So, for instance, the two year note, which I believe on Inside Baseball with Old Chestnut, when it was somewhere between 25 and 50 basis points, we said, Nishkit mm-hmm. um, closed on Friday at two seventy two. Okay, dude. so and sniffing around you know, two eight. I'm still yeah, I'm yeah. still waiting for all those comments <laughs> from my friends who made all this money, um, saying thank you. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, I guess that ain't going to happen. But I guess what I'm trying to say is, um, we're in a transition period, which is important to identify. Meaning rates are moving in a direction and the direction is higher. And whether the market has priced the right amount in, it's too soon soon to tell. So um, I'm sorry I don't have this better organized, but I guess that's the beauty of this thing. So I mentioned Uncle Mark came to visit Mm -hmm. and – uh, we were chatting about uh, what somebody recently called the sociopath grandfather, Warren Buffett. Um, anyway, uh, Mark and I were talking, and and Mark mentioned, I think, how Buffett is comfortable holding cash. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, I'd like to phrase it a little differently. Buffett views holding cash is an option, meaning it's something you can take and you can buy something with it. And that's why when the shit hits the fan, he's sitting there licking his chops because he's got a, a shit ton of cash sitting around. Yep. And when you got to call Warren Buffett, you know, it, 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 yeah, you'll you'll get a bid. Yeah, but you know, on I'd his check, terms, I would check Satan first. <laughs> yeah, he's he's the lender of last resort. Yeah, and it might be. This, <laughs> please direct all calls to Warren Buffett. Yeah, exactly. Call forwarding. <laughs> um. So, uh, anyway. Kathy's talking her book because lower interest rates help her shit companies. And, uh, you know, um, it's just a matter of time till she, uh, well, she's not levered, which is too bad because that would be. (laughs) Unfortunate. You'd hate to see that. (laughs) That would be fucking awesome. Berkshire Um, stock is up 12% versus a 10% decline in the S&P 500 this year. All right. Yeah. So, so here's an example. There's a, um, there's a uh, fund out there and I won't mention their name, but I know they listen. And I was an investor with them several years ago and big money. They manage a shit ton of money. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I got to know the, the manager a little bit and, you know, like you being Irish, I got that gift to gab and, uh, uh, he and I hit it off and, and he was pretty much one of these, uh, always invested guys. And so I said, well, let me ask you a question. You come in and you're convinced the market's going down. There's no question in your mind. 100% the market's going down. What are you doing? He said, I'll sell, uh, 
anything I don't absolutely love and I'll take the cash and I'll buy Berkshire Hathaway. Wow. And so if you think Jeez. there's a, you think there's a finite amount of money in each of these buckets, right? So a lot of people run to Berkshire is uh, a diversified safe asset. So as you've seen, this is part of the reason of why that's why that's happening. So, but can I read a little bit of it? It's just it's you just, can it's read just, whatever you like. Yeah. So the, so Berkshire stock is up twelve percent versus a ten percent decline in the S and P five hundred. All right. For the past year, Berkshire is up twenty three percent versus three percent for the index. Over two per, over two years, Berkshire returned. 80% cumulative versus 57%. For the two years, that's a 35% annualized versus 25%. Blah, blah, blah. And it just goes on year to date, one year return, 26 versus three, three year, 16 versus 15. And it, it tightens as you get to five, seven, 10 year, 10 sure. years, 15 versus yeah. 14. But the, the last one, all right. So let me just go, uh, you know, I love this. This is Christopher Bloomstrand on Twitter who just provides nothing but facts. And if you don't follow him, you just go out and find him now. Mr. Buffett and his shareholders there at the beginning have made 40,000 times, 40,860 times their money versus 273 times the money had they owned the S&P 500. 40,000 versus 273 in the S&P 500. So anyone that wants to say anything they want, go right ahead. But that is the greatest of all time. Um, Those those numbers are so extraordinary. For me, respectfully, I would verify those. Just just, just, trust but verify. I trust my source. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I trust my source. It reminds me of that uh, Ronald Reagan joke about the Russians. Did I tell you this one? I don't know. Go ahead. So, so a guy goes in to buy a car in Russia. Have I told you this? I, I, go ahead. I don't know. Go so, a guy goes into a, a, a auto dealer in Russia and says he wants to buy a car. And the guy says, "What do you want?" And then they come to a deal. And he says, "I'll, I'll have it for you ten years from today." <laughs> and the guy says. That's fantastic. Just tell me, morning or afternoon? <laughs> yeah. And the guy says, 10 years from now, why would it matter? He says, because in the morning, the plumber's coming. It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Kevin Muir wanted us to tell more jokes. There you go, Kev. <laughs> so, yeah, I got some ethnic jokes, but maybe we'll say those for later. <laughs> um, anyway, the two-year 272, the 10-year 290, uh, the S&P down 10% for the year. The Schiller price-earnings ratio that I've been looking at is down to 33.63. Now, as I discussed with Uncle Mark, I got this bug up my ass about this 200-week moving average, mm-hmm. which to me is sort of the long-run 8 or 9% compounded internal rate of return. Okay. To get there... From here, you got to be twenty percent lower. Jeez. So, I, I am I predicting that? No, I don't. I'm not here to predict things. I'm just saying, to me, that was where there should be some value. Like I wouldn't feel any need to do anything. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I've got a lot of cash, and I'm just mm-hmm. sitting on it and hoping my uh, kids don't call up asking, looking for any. Yeah. <laughs> No, they're they're good. They're 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 they're, they're great. But um, so I I think uh, one of the things I want to try and reinforce is uh, when you're in a period of transition, and I I don't think it's a leap to say when the two you know goes up two hundred basis points in three months, and the stock market's down ten percent, you know you're getting what we would call a repricing. If this continues, mm-hmm. we're going to get, and this is a word, if this becomes part of the lexicon, it's going to be a dark time. 
but there's a term that Leslie Harris invented, and I have stolen as my own, and the term is the rake. <laughs> and what we yep. what we refer to is for those of you old enough to have been a, in a casino, uh, yeah, there's the craft table. Worse. There's all of these chips flying around, and guys are making <laughs> a six, a nine, an eleven, a two, a ten, mm-hmm. and then everyone's yelling and screaming, and then the guy rolls a fucking seven, yep. and seven out, and yep. the guy comes with the big rake oh, yeah. and takes all the chips. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it's a little premature. Mm-hmm. Um, Leslie has not given out an official rake warning as far as i know okay um but i'm saying i want to introduce the term okay you know it's sort of like Mm -hmm. Mm pre-calculus but um i'd like to to uh um uh mention that the other thing is uh and this is going to be completely uh worthless to almost everybody but it may resonate with a couple of people there's been from time to time a discussion of options right so mm-hmm. i'm assuming at this point you all know what a put is and you all know what a call is okay if you don't hit pause go to wikipedia mm-hmm. okay as you fall further down the rabbit hole of options which by the way I've hit rock bottom on this stuff. Wow. In fact, I'm at the dead cat bounce on this. Um, <laughs> for instance, this would be a great trivia question. I, and as I mentioned, I have more hats mm-hmm. so we can have a contest, but this is, this is too easy. So I would say trivia question. How do you make a put a call? Okay. Well, I'll, I'll leave that as a little homework assignment for you all. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. But um, remember how I talked about last week how we had this little trading area and we had the movies going in the background and of course, yeah. And 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 so we have a lot of discussions about different things, um, current trends in fashion, you know, mm-hmm. restaurants, wine. Mm-hmm. But I was fascinated with options. You know, almost to the point of um, being like Elon Musk with Asperger's. Wow. Like I, I, I would get, mm-hmm. get sucked in this thing. And we had, uh, at the time, one of my uh, uh, quantitative analysts, who I, I haven't received permission to use his name, mm-hmm. but he's uh, from uh, Eastern European descent, maybe Asia, actually. And uh, very talented mathematically, PhD in nuclear physics. And so for me, he was the right guy to talk to options about because he had the math, right, mm-hmm. which I didn't have. And and so in, unfortunately, I don't really remember the answer to any of these questions, but I would say so-and-so. Let me ask you this. Let's say you had a stock that started at 100 and every day it went up by 3%. Mm-hmm. So day one, it goes up by 3%. Day two, it goes up by 3%. Day three, it goes up to, to day N. Mm-hmm. Okay. So a year later, the thing's up a zillion, mm-hmm. right? What would the implied volatility be? And I don't remember exactly, but it was something bizarre. Like since it moved 3%, Every day, there wasn't any volatility. None. Yeah, it was super low. Wow. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe. Mm -hmm, Now, mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. could be, and seeing as we do this live in front of a studio audience, I might have stepped on my dick. But, Mm -hmm. you know, these are one of these little tricks and options. Another one is you can have, and once again, I won't get it right, but I give you food for thought, right? So you can have an option and the market not move for like three weeks and all you need it to do is, is move like three standard deviations the next day. And it pays for the three weeks of the time. Ah, decay. Yeah. 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 So I know this might be Greek to some, but 
I don't think people truly get these options. And so once again, when I go to the notion of people wanting to be short them, Kevin, um, I, I think, you know, let me put it another way. How many billionaires do you know that are flying around in their private jets and they made a living off of short options? <laughs> short. I know zero. Say. Um, so uh, perhaps I wanted to get to a little bit of a rant. Is this too soon or do you want to talk about the website? Or We got all day, bro. Go ahead. Let's talk about the website first, because I, I think the rant, kind of All like right. ending the concert with Good Times, Bad Times, or <laughs> Walls of the Cave, yeah, or okay. two, or, or First Tube, mm-hmm, one mm-hmm. of the right, just yep, one of yep, those yep. driving at okay. home. Um, I logged on to the website. Okay. okay, and unbeknownst to me, you had updated it. Mm-hmm. And as you know, the first thing that you come is to your latest image. So the latest image when I went to Inside Baseball with Old Chestnut was an emoji, mm-hmm. you know, an emoji like a cartoon. You guys know what emojis are, but it's a pregnant man yes. <laughs> wearing a blue shirt. Okay. Yes. yes. So why I did I put that there? Fuddled. <laughs> okay. So this was like the middle of the night or something. I don't know what it was. It might have been. It was either early or late. And I was like, "What is he? What?" It was it was outside of your office hours, okay? So I didn't contact you and say, "What the fuck is this?" So, however, I watched the news the next day, and it all comes together. So there's this great movie called Tropic Thunder, which okay, of in 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 there, Robert. Oh, Downey- a great movie! <laughs> that is, dude, that is a great movie okay which which would be an example of a movie we would have had on in the background in my trading group okay Okay? fun fact fun fact i i went i I took a girl on a date to that movie yeah she works at the san francisco fed now no (laughs) i hope she listens i cannot use her name okay fact tropic thunder so to quote To quote Tropic Thunder, Robert Downey Jr. says, never go full retard. (laughs) When I saw that emoji, I realized the world has gone full retard. It really has. So um, that was my sign of the apocalypse, and and I had to post it. So that explains that. Do Do you understand now? Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's it's. We have reached rock bottom. We have the richest man in the world insulting the head of the the most legendary technology company, the most stable stock, you know, certified nerd. Um, and I would have said generally do good guy until uh you start sniffing around his Epstein connections. But to have Elon Musk and Bill Gates going back and forth to 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 have it be dragged down into the sewer of emoji insults. Okay. We've reached a new low. (laughs) So, um, my, uh, I won't say who, but somebody, uh, I think highly have told me that like, there's a show, Joe Rogan that -hmm. gets millions of, of, of listeners. Right. And this person said, the key moment was when he got Elon Musk to come on the show and smoke pot. Amazing. And this friend of mine, listener said, that's what you kind of need. You know, that's what would be your launching pad. And, you know, I I don't smoke pot and, and, but I I think I, I have found a way to be obnoxious enough that may achieve the same thing. So I believe by his own admission, Elon Musk is mentally ill. He suffers from autism and he um, uh, has a form of it called Asperger's, Mm -hmm. right? Okay. So what I would claim is before when he was tweeting all that stuff about he had a bid to take the thing uh, public, Mm -hmm. he had the, okay. If he wasn't mentally ill, okay, the SEC would have put him out of business. 
I think he got a pass because yeah. he's uh, he's got a diagnosable mental illness. I, I I'm so, even skeptical of that, man. I'm skeptical of everything. Like you know, he's just such a pack of lies. Um, I mean, yeah. I, I put that under the cyber truck, full self driving robo taxi. Um, or whatever else his other lies are. Well, but. you know, the, the company make money, but he got uh, he, he he got a pass. Yeah. Um, further down the website, okay, um, there was a couple of traders at Bank America that I they I forget what I said exactly, but they either got fined, they certainly got fired, and they may go to jail. That's what I was gonna say, so, dude. I thought they were going to jail. Okay, so. This is what they did. They put an offer in and they put a bid in to try and sell their securities at a higher price. Okay. You're talking about treasury securities, which in the aura or the the realm of which they are trading is nothing but professionals. Okay. A retail guy can't get on this platform. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. And, And seeing as I'm 61. And I've been out of the business for nine years, okay? When I used to trade, and not anyone that worked for me, I was the only one that ever did this. I want to make this clear. But what they're talking about, I did all the fucking time. Every day. Every day, day in, day out. It's like, are you fucking kidding me? You have, let's say there's 80 treasury issues, okay? So you have these screens. You think people want to trade? 80 issues all the time? No. So if you have a position in one or two or 40, you put a bid in an offering. Mm-hmm, you, you, mm-hmm. You, create, you create a market. Of course. And then, you know, if somebody, if, if you make them 14, 18, and some guy puts them in at 16, you know, maybe you join the bid to yeah. see if maybe he's a buyer. Or yeah. maybe you're like that bid's too high and you fucking hit it. It's yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. And, and and by the this way, this was a regular Monday morning for you. <laughs> this Sunday is, night. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, start, yeah. I mean, Amazing. That whole, that whole story I told you about the Japanese debacle, right? Yeah. I, the only way I ever got out of that fucking number two thing was by niggling the quotes. Amazing. And um, so once again, um impotent Gary Gensler. If if you can think of a more humiliating word in terms of masculinity than impotent, mm-hmm. please mm-hmm. tell me. Right, but right. Yeah, understood. Here we got, he can't even chase Jack and the fucking Beanstalk where they run off with $76 million. And he's talking about bagging a couple of guys working a plus yeah. on some tenure notes. Yeah. Yeah, just, yeah. Just by the way, I may not like get a twenty-seven-year-old right. kid, a twenty-seven-year-old kid that was like, I, I was taught this by everyone in my office. He's like, what, you know? Yeah, a plus on a hundred million tenure notes is a half of a thirty-second or a sixty-fourth. Okay, so a plus is fifteen thousand six hundred twenty-five dollars. That's what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yet, let's look the seventy-eight million. Or by the way, there was like six hundred million. Other dollars that got nicked during the week that you don't even hear about. Well, yeah, doesn't make the paper even. Jeez. Okay. So, uh, anyway, um, yeah, I, I got to be careful because I sound like the grumpy old man. But I mean, at some point, we got to wake up. And and here's the call to action. You ready? You ready? It wasn't the same newspaper. But it was on the same day, there's an article about people in Afghanistan selling organs to have enough money to survive, okay? And in another paper on the same day, there's an article about David Solomon restructuring the compensation so that the partners of Goldman Sachs can get the cream of the best deals. So yep. the best deals that come into Goldman Sachs go to the partners. Partners, yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. So little schmo at Marcus. The same, the getting... same week he canceled lunch. <laughs> Did you see well, that? Yeah, yeah. So, so I, this is why I got to be a little bit careful. 
I went for a bike ride before. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, as a rider, you go through a lot of emotions in your mm-hmm. ride. And there's like, you have mm-hmm. those moments of like euphoria. Yeah, you have those great. moments of depression. I love the bike. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so I'm thinking about this thing with, with DJ Sal and the, you got the Afghani people cutting out their kidneys and livers. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, you got a guy running the investment bank talking about we're not getting paid enough. Okay. By the way, you know, that's on top of what he's making. I'm sure all the gigs is at Lollapalooza, right? <laughs> they cut they cut the free lunches, okay? And let me tell you something. As a, as a lifelong trader. Oh, you've said this. Go the ahead. significance of lunch, right? You, I forget exactly my hours, but mm-hmm. generally I get in 6, 6.30. I'd sit there till 11.20. Okay, so help me with the math. That's five mm-hmm, hours? Mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm. so the only time I would get up would be to either stand up and stretch or go to the bathroom, mm-hmm. okay? So lunch is like a big fucking deal, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. The menu comes around, you're thinking, and, and okay. And um, at a place like Goldman, who they're making gazillions of dollars, they're nicking the kids' lunch. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then, then somewhere I forget which paper, but he wants Solomon wants the partners to get the cream of the crop mm-hmm. to incentivize the glamour of the Goldman partnership. Okay. okay. So here's where here's where um, I'm going to disappoint some people. Okay. Um, two things. One is is a Jewish person, okay? What's the slam on Jews? That they're cheap and greedy, okay? Well, I'm assuming David Solomon's Jewish. And Goldman Sachs certainly has got a Jewish connotation, okay? Listen, you bald fuck. Take the $35 million, shut your fucking mouth, mm-hmm. okay? That from old chestnut whether you want to take some junior bankers to dinner like our friend does okay Okay. who shows up on instagram and says i I want 10 juniors that are in manhattan right now to meet me at at blue ribbon for dinner and he's got 10 juniors and he eats dinner four nights a week with 22 year old kids that work at his firm while dj d saul is whacking them for lunch that's the difference and here's the part that might get me sued and i'm okay with it advice to young people work in a Goldman Sachs, leave, leave, yep. go get another job, go work, yep. go work somewhere else. I'll tell you why. Because, um, when the head of the firm spends all this time trying to enrich himself, the easiest way for the partners to make more money. And, and I know, cause I was a partner, right? They, they call it, um, what, what do we call that? Uh, expense reviews. So what that basically means is they you come through and you start laying people off. There's mm-hmm. no way to cut costs. You mm-hmm. can't get rid of office space. You, mm-hmm. you you know you can't get rid of the lawyers. You can't get rid of the compliance. So they start getting rid of, of the people. And so what's going to happen? One of the guys made headlines this week. The first black partner at Goldman Sachs left, and the headline was, you know, he was the first black partner at Goldman Sachs, and he's left to start his own firm, and then. If you read the whole column buried in the last paragraph is something like Goldman only has 12 black employees and five of them have left this year. Okay. Imagine that. So um, what what's going to happen is they're going to continue to squeeze people. Okay. And if we go into a bear market in stocks, okay, if. I think we're going to be in one, but let's just say if. As you like to say, a tale as old as time, companies come through and they start laying people off. Mm-hmm. Okay. And if I'm a young guy at Goldman and I see the guy running, it's a pig. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go to, I don't know, I'll go to a headhunter who I'm not a big fan of those guys. 
but I'm going to go and I'm going to say, find me a two-year deal. Mm-hmm. And whether it's A, B, C, D, E, F, or G, you got the Goldman name. Yep. They're going to, they're, they're going to either fire you or cut your salary. Mm-hmm. You know, the chance of becoming a partner, you got a better chance of getting hit by lightning. Right. And uh, what I would like to admonish other people, um, since I'm on my soapbox, thank you for allowing me. Um, we have at this point, through people I know, there's some ginormous amount of assets under management, hundreds of billions of dollars of money is managed by people that listen to this podcast. Okay. Just because I happen to know them and mm-hmm. I added them up. Yep. And when my friend from Switzerland comes mm-hmm. and he says, they, I forget whether he's got eight or 20. I don't remember. And uh, if it's not 20 and it's eight, it's going to go from eight to 20. Cause I mm-hmm. think so much of this guy, but mm-hmm. you add them all up. It's a, it's a frightening number. Okay. So for you people, managing those assets and you're playing the game of ESG. How are you going to own shares of a company that allows a guy to run around clearly not doing his job, right? I mean, that mm-hmm. shit takes time mm-hmm. and concentration. Cause I'm sure it's really difficult because being a musician's hard. I know you and I, after a show, we're both exhausted, exactly. right? We've given this yep. thing everything we have, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, yeah, so uh, I'm laying it on you. I'm laying it on you, Fortune 500 CEOs who listen and um, uh, people who manage uh, public pension plans who listen. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think you're supposed to speak up. So. Mm-hmm. So that's what old Chestnut has to say. All right. Like I said, we will be back with our bright, sunny outlook. Uh, <laughs> I, told, I told the listeners last weekend. <laughs> I'm sorry. Did I go too far? No, 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 no. I agree with you wholeheartedly. I mean, there's just such a stark difference between leadership at some of the uh, at some of the big banks that's on display recently. And his, I mean, he just can't go. He can't go a, a day or three without being in the headlines for something shitty. And and it's just if I, I don't think that's the the, the that's not the Goldman Sachs way. The the way that I have held them in regard for the 38 years that I've been aware of them. So. Yeah, it's disappointing. I'm thinking of changing. I was just going to say, it's so bad. I'm thinking of changing the spelling (laughs) of my last name. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, But now you said you think the bear market is coming. It's already arrived for things like Kramer's Magnificent Seven, okay? And things like the bear market has arrived for Kathy's portfolio, okay? So so there's that saying, it's a recession when your neighbor's out of work and it's a depression when you're out of work. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so if your portfolio is down 20%, yeah, you're in a bear market. Okay, Um, all right. Kevin Kevin Muir did me a favor because, you know, when I – got guilted into buying some stocks. I bought the SPYs and he's like, no, 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 don't do that. Buy the equal weighted. And I did. I'm I'm still Mm -hmm. down money. Thank you. But uh, um, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I like the SPY uh, high dividend index. That's a good one. Okay. These are not investment advice, (laughs) but. Um, but no, I, I mean, you saw what happened with Netflix this week. Um, and you know, it's funny, Bill took a lot of shit this week for his position in Netflix. And it's easy for, for guys like me to say, oh, look, Bill got crushed on Netflix. You know, he's, he bought it yeah. at, at X and, but he, what's he going to do? He came out and he said he sold it. You know, I don't know what they want him to do. Um, no. and why that's so yeah, embarrassing, you know, it's yeah. terrible. Hey, guess and- what? Bill will be okay. Right. <laughs> so just to do the math on this. Let's say he, because I'm very, I told you I'm bad with math, right? Mm-hmm, so let's mm-hmm. take 8 billion and you multiply that by 2%. Mm-hmm. So Bill gets $160 million for showing up. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 <laughs> I could manage $8 billion pretty easily. Mm-hmm. I, seriously, I, I could. And mm-hmm. I'll do it for 80 million. Okay. 
How's See? that? Yeah, you got a new job. Yeah, uh, you know what? I you're hired. Yeah, I, I don't want to work. But but this like when you work. say like it's gonna get worse, like like when you think Jay sits and watches that close on Friday going down 2% and he takes a deep sigh of relief and saying like, this is what I've needed. You know, I need this to continue to creep down. Or do you think he's saying, I think he does. I think he loves okay. it. I think his anxiety, I think his anxiety is it's discontinuous. Meaning Interesting. It, yeah. it drops down like 8%. Or okay. the banking system gets kludged. Um, Interesting. I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm dying to hear Zervos's latest take on okay. this because he's long but doesn't have an interest rate hedge, which, by the way, kudos, man. Fucking nailed it. Okay, I mean, wow. You know, yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't give a lot of compliments. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Tough love. But, yeah. uh, you know, I, I'm sure he's down a shit ton on his equities. But it'd be two X, right? Yep. Yep. But yep. Uh, I, I'm kind of eager to hear his next missile. Okay. Um, I don't think he. I don't think he listens unless I tell him I talk about him, and then sometimes. <laughs> so I'll. I'll tell him. I'll. I talked about him, and maybe he'll listen. But. Um, um, no, but I, I mean, like, like I said, that bear market's arrived for certain certain things. So, like, I wonder if Jay sees that, and he sees like all those, like, you know, I hate to say Kramer's Magnificent Seven, but those like down sixty percent, down forty percent, you know, really whacked down. They blew yeah. the froth off all that speculative shit in the market, you know. But like, how low does he need to take it? You, you know, does he have to get it down to towards your two hundred moving day average? No, he no, he wants to get the inflation number down. Okay. okay. Yep. Part of getting that inflation number down is getting equity prices down, getting home prices down, mm-hmm. and letting the logistical log jam clear. Yep. And the logistical log jam is a little tougher for him because it's so far baked in yeah. the cake. Like there's such mm-hmm. a shortage on certain things. The equity market going down should dampen consumer sentiment and consumer spending. The higher rates are higher rates. They're going to reduce leverage. They're going to reduce speculation. Jay's concern is a collapse. And if it collapses, that's that's a problem because now he's been between the rock and the hard place. So, um, I think we should sort of wrap it up here because we're running into network overtime. But um, I have a whole segment I'd like to do next week on tinfoil hat. Oh, yeah. Because um, just as a little uh, uh, teaser, which is what Mm -hmm. Ted always wanted us to do, apparently um, there's some time New York Times articles about Goldman Sachs nine years ago moving aluminum around warehouses to take advantage of different laws with uh, metals. And also there's this young lass, um, oh, what's her name? She, yeah. uh, uh, Blythe Masters, yeah, who Blythe um, Masters. is known in her own mind to have created the default swap. She okay. was an intern, a young gal at J.P. Morgan, a rising star, um, ticked all the boxes, right? Politically okay, yeah. correct woman, very smart, got put in charge of the commodities department, okay? I don't have it all lined up. Hopefully, I'll have it lined up next week or do your own research. But apparently, uh, J.P. Morgan apparently uh, got fined for manipulating gold and silver prices. And oddly enough, not long after, uh, Blythe Masters resigned from J.P. Morgan when it seems odd to me as a rising star as a woman in a bank uh, to resign seems a little curious to this reporter. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, I only mention it because, you know, as I've said, you know, is that public information? Is that is that readable? Um, that's available yeah, on the internet. I can yeah, read yeah, Meet yeah. Blythe Masters. I, I sent it to you. 
It's actually yeah. I was I, now that I look at the byline, I make I, I see that it's not from one of your confidential sources. It's from Zero Hedge. Uh, so that is well. You can go to realistic sources and okay. get that information. Okay. But uh, there, <laughs> and, 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 the, and the, the reason I, I bring this up yeah. is, you know, my new quote, which I love so much, mm-hmm. all who wear tinfoil hats are not crazy. Um, <laughs> Thank you. I've never been a conspiracy theorist. I was wrong when questioned about LIBOR. I mean, I had lawyers calling me to be an expert witness about wow. LIBOR. And I'm like, yep. there's no fraud. How could there be fraud? Well, <laughs> I got that wrong. <laughs> so so when I can't see how there could be fraud in silver and gold prices, I, you know, all of a sudden I'm wondering, you know, fool me once. And yeah. then you see these two articles. You in, read the facts. Yeah. 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 So anyway, um, I'm getting the red light that we got to yeah. go to commercial. All right. But, all, right. Um, all right. All right. So, all right. Anyway, buddy, it's great to see you. All right, pal. I'll see you next week. Thank you very much. Okay. Take care. Cheers.